All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. Um, and I'm, you hear me laughing a little bit because we're about 10 minutes late here. We ran into some tech issues. My apologies for those of you that were waiting. I think for the time being, we've got them sorted out and we're gonna, we're gonna move forward with fingers crossed here. Um, but I appreciate you joining us today. For those of you that are live streaming at uh, on the YouTube side of things, youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, and then on Facebook, facebook.com slash Boca Podcast, thank you for joining us. Again, apologies for the slight delay, but we're glad you're here, and don't hesitate to engage in the conversation. Ask us questions, comment on the talking points at hand. We'd love for you to be part of the conversation today with myself and Anna. And of course, I'll introduce Anna here in just a second. Also, for those of you that are not live streaming, you're listening to the audio version of this after the fact, go to those channels, facebook.com slash book podcast or youtube.com slash book podcast and subscribe. You can turn on notifications, of course, on YouTube. And again, come join us for those live streams in the future. We'd love for you to be a part of these as well. And then one last note before I bring Anna on, I also want to remind you all to look for opportunities to give. Uh, I made my donation to Charity Water. I'll pop up the receipt on the screen there. Uh, before the episode today, as I promised I would before every episode, but I just encourage you all to look for opportunities to con continue to give, whether it's in your local community or to bigger organizations like Charity Water as well. All right, it's time to introduce our guest for today. Anna Wright is here with me. Anna, thank you for making this work. We we managed to work through <laughs> some of the tech stuff, and I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have a conversation. I think so. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Well, thank you for being here with me. And for those of you that have already seen the title and you're logged in, you're curious about this conversation, how to apply constructive criticism to your business. This is actually a really interesting point of conversation for multiple reasons. And, and this is something, Anna, that, that of course we'll get into in more detail in just a little bit. But I find that, um, by the way, myself included at times, in our culture these days, we're pretty sensitive. Like it, we, we easily get offended. And so the idea or you know get our feelings hurt um, one of it, one or many of our insecurities touched on whether that person that's talking to us knows it or not. And um, I think in some ways we've gotten a little soft and, and maybe close minded to the idea of somebody being able to give us feedback about what we're doing, whatever area of life, being open minded to that and actually taking it on and, and applying what what's applicable. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that a little bit more effectively with your guidance today. So I appreciate you coming to share with us. Absolutely. It's definitely one of my favorite things to talk about and I'll tell you why soon. So, okay, cool. Well, we're going to get there and I, I always, well, I don't always say this, but I've said this enough Anna. these first few questions that I tend to ask all of my guests are supposed to be like rapid fire questions. And I have the worst habit of drawing them out because I like to ask follow up questions. We'll, <laughs> we'll try to get through them a little bit more quickly because we have a big, big topic to dig into. Let's start with your brand position. This is a common question here, brand position. And I think it's important an important element of setting ourselves apart in the very busy, very crowded photography industry. Um, and so I'm curious what your brand position is. What's the kind of unique value proposition of your photography business? Oh man, I have to tell you, Nathan, this was the question that I was most worried about because last time I came on, you were like, that's not a brand position. Was I that Maybe something similar criticism. to that. <laughs> I needed it. I needed it. That was two years ago. We've grown since then. Wow, wow, um, wow. So our brand position and tagline is intentional curation of love stories and effortless imagery for the sentimental couple. And that well, and, is what Anna K Photography does. And, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, Anna. And I'm actually on your site. And for those of you live streaming, you can see oh. this, AnnaKPhotography.net. <laughs> 
But you've got you've kind of got a simplified version of that of, of that statement here on the homepage of your site, love stories for the sentimental couple. And I'm curious how you ended up landing on this position statement. What was the like the, the process, I guess, of coming up with that statement and being able to simplify it that way? Oh, that's a big question. So a few different things. I realized after being in the industry that my favorite couples were the ones that had stories that were passed down and items that belonged to somebody special to them. And so I realized that my clients were detail oriented, but not in a type A, maybe bridezilla way. They were really detail oriented in wanting to have things that were special to them, present with them for their day. And so they didn't care as much about every single picture being perfectly posed. Their favorite photos that they were sharing were ones of them hugging their grandma or, you know, a grandfather kind of like wiping a tear, their first look with their dad. And so I realized I serve sentimental couples best mm. because I'm really good at capturing those nuances of the day. Okay, are you are you naturally a pretty sentimental person too? Like, is that something you can very much relate to? Are you that like cry at the oh, wrong for sure. kind of person? Because I, I know I am. <laughs> no, no, I'm definitely oh, okay. not that. Okay. But, you know, things that I love stories from family and I have a huge chest that's been passed down to me and it's just full of photos and mementos and those things. I just think your history is really important. So I just like to hang on to that. Okay, well, that, that's a fair balance. And by the way, you alluded to your, your past episode. Um, this is your second time on the podcast. And by the way, I'll also add not, I mean, that's not the norm. So you're, you're amongst the special, the elite on the Boca podcast. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you those, so much. Yeah, for those of you that missed that first episode, Anna was with us, episode 329, new photographer to fully booked in two years. Pretty compelling t title and, and points of conversation there. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes if you haven't seen or listened to listen to i guess at that point we didn't have video but if you haven't listened to that episode make sure you go and check it out we'll link to that in the show notes at bookapodcast.com okay we're going to keep moving anna uh, very quickly okay. talk to me a little bit about customer experience and we may have talked about this in the previous episode as well but i'm curious especially what you've learned even since then what's one of the big ideas that drives your ability to provide great customer experience so firstly i think you have to take everybody um, just assume that they're coming at you from a good place. I see people posting things all the time about, well, I don't know what this means, or they read into things. And so my number one piece of advice is just meet people where they are, answer their questions appropriately, and show up and do a good job. Like, it's really that simple. You just have to be responsive and not overanalyze things. Can you build on that just a little bit when you talk about people, I guess you're saying photographers reading into things a little bit too much. Can you give an example or two of what you mean? Sure. So sometimes you'll see people post in different Facebook groups and not that, you know, my client said, thanks without an exclamation point. And now I don't know what to do. Or somebody sent me a message and said, can you fix this? And I think they hate my whole gallery now. Um, when really you could just say, hey, no problem. I can fix that and just move on. And then everybody's happy. There's no need to just dwell in, you know, looking for undertones and text messages or emails. Just answer the question and just be confident in your work. Wow. Okay. I didn't, honestly, I didn't know that was a thing. So that's interesting. Well, I kind of, I, I guess it kind of goes to what I mentioned just briefly as we were starting, which is that 
we tend, and again, I'm guilty of it. So I, I can speak from personal yeah. experience, but it's, it is easy sometimes to read into things a little bit too much or to take things personally when they just don't need to be. We're projecting our own issues onto the situation and we way overcomplicate it as, as a result. So that's kind of a good reminder to learn to be able to step outside that just a little bit, look at things a little bit more objectively, leave our personal issues out of it. <laughs> I find that it tends to simplify my life a lot. I don't know about you, but that's, I think that's a good reminder for all of us. It's really hard to serve people if you're so wrapped up in your own head about, are you doing enough? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You just, you know what your job is and you do it. And nine out of 10 times, you'll have a happy customer. Hmm, that's really good stuff. Okay. As much as I'm tempted to kind of further go down that road and explore that, we'll keep moving because we have a big topic. Okay. And, and I know that we, we talked a little bit before about time management. I'll go ahead and ask this question again as well. Um, just because it'd be interesting to see where you've come even in the last couple of years or so. Is there a, a, an idea driving the way that you manage time at this point in your business with a little bit more experience under your belt? It's so different. You know, last time we talked, I think I had just hit two years in business and I photographed, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 ish sessions okay. and only five weddings. Okay. And it was just a one person show. <laughs> um, we're rounding out year four after serving 26 wedding clients. And I haven't counted up portrait sessions yet, but yeah. at least 20 engagements on top of that. Okay. So my workload has definitely increased, which is a huge blessing. Um, so this year I was outsourcing all of my editing for weddings uh, with Cultivated Edits. I just have to give them a little shout out because they were so wonderful to work with. And I also brought on an assistant and her name is Ellie and she's been just a godsend. Um, Ellie manages a lot of in-between Instagram stuff that, you know, I don't necessarily need to be involved in. And she works on our marketing. She works on the blogs. And so anything that I don't need to have my hands in, I kind of put on Ellie's plate and let her work through it. And then I just have to sign off on things and it's, it's the best. It is nice, but you know, you, you talk about outsourcing or delegating editing work. You talk about having an, an assistant to help you and, and work with in person. I think about communication. We've been talking about this a lot in the podcast as of late, both because I'm learning more about it myself, but also because I think it's one of the, one of the issues in the process of delegating a task or tasks whether it's to a company or an assistant or whoever it might be that really creates some problems for photographers because they're not used to communicating what they want concisely and clearly in a way that somebody else can understand and then go and do that thing. And instead it's very easy to just kind of be like, Hey, we go do this and this is kind of what I think and this is what I want. And then they get frustrated when they don't get a great result back. And the reality is so much of why that didn't work out was because of the lack of good communication. And not necessarily because they're intending to either. It's, it's that they're just not used to it, right? And again, I speak from personal experience. So what has enabled you to learn to communicate more effectively in the process of delegating, whatever you're delegating, so that that process has become easier for you and actually helpful for you and not something that's a drag and frustrating? So I think a couple things. My previous careers, I had to do a lot of communicating. Um, I was an Air Force officer and a nurse. And so those are both career fields where you are constantly communicating with people. Um, my assistant, Ellie, is a teacher. And so we both 
understand how to communicate, um, but we still have our issues. And sometimes I don't say things effectively and she feels bad asking me. And so I think if you're looking to outsource something like that or delegate something, you have to find somebody that you really feel comfortable communicating with um, that, you know, Ellie is part of my team. So if she says, hey, that doesn't sound like us. We need to fix this. I have to respect her opinion now, right? Because I hired her. She's part of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just think you can't hire somebody just, hey, you, and you're just going to do X, Y, Z. Like that'll never work. It has to be somebody that you can have open relationship with, mm-hmm. that you respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't assume it's going to be perfect. It's going to take some time to get used to each other. And yeah, it's not it's not a quick fix for sure. No, and, and that sums it up beautifully, uh, really on multiple levels. But when I when that last part where you say it's not a quick fix, that's it, right? There's a, there's a need to be willing to commit to the process of communication. And the analogy that I've given probably multiple times now here on the show is if you go, like I, I worked retail in various capacities when I was younger, like I guess high school into college. Um, and there was... I mean, whether I was working for Lens Crafters or Baskin Robbins or Dillard's or Tommy Hilfiger, whoever it was, whatever shop or store, department store I was working for, they were initially going to train me. And it, then it didn't, st- it wasn't like it stopped there. They said, Nate, here's a book, read it and go, go do the thing. There was active communication. There was dynamic training, right? Training up front, ongoing feedback, questions answered, questions asked. It's a process. And the idea that that we as photographers assume that we can just kind of dump something in somebody's lap, expect that it gets done exactly like we want it to without there being that communication process, which is not just a one and done thing. Um, it's, it's unfortunately what is limiting a lot of photographers from being able to grow and to scale by delegation. So I'm glad that you hire that or that, that you highlight that. Um, and if we're going to hire anybody, we have to be willing to commit to that process. That's great. Yeah, for sure. So one other quick question before we delve into this topic about constructive criticism, and it seems like we're kind of playing to that theme pretty well throughout our conversation, but um, since we last talked, again, being a couple of years or so, I'm sure you've continued to educate yourself in a variety of ways as a relatively new photography business owner. Is there another book recommendation or even a podcast recommendation that you would make to our listeners that you feel would be helpful to them? Ooh, so I just finished Profit First. That was okay. a really good one. Yeah. Um, I haven't implemented it yet, but I did listen and I like it. So I think if um, the financial aspect is something that you're struggling with, that would be a really great one, especially to start the new year with some new systems in place. One thing that, especially in the beginning of building a business, it seems like there's always another expense. Um, And you can say, oh, you know, no, there's not. But in reality, there is. Like, if you want to get better, you do need nicer lenses sometimes. And if you are, you know, working on your flash, you need to buy multiple flashes. Um, Just the bigger you get, the more things you need. Even simple things like batteries and SD cards. If you have a busy season and you're paranoid like me and you don't erase cards until you've delivered everything, you might need a lot of SD cards sitting around. you know, there's always great education to invest in. So I'm excited to start doing more of a profit first um, approach so that I know how much I really can be putting back into the business that makes sense versus how much I need to be taking out for me and just kind of 
situating all that a little bit better. So is it, I haven't personally read the book. I've heard about it before, but is it, is it kind of center or does it center around the notion of investing back in the company like you're describing? Is, is that a lot of the focus? So it's essentially, I viewed it as like a Dave Ramsey, but for business, like okay. you pay yourself, you pay your taxes. So you have all these little accounts set up for everything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you take what's left and do other action items with them. You know, you can invest back in, this is your money that you have, you've already made your profit. So now your business is worth X, Y, Z. Um, and it's a little different for solo entrepreneurs as opposed to like corporations that um, the author talks about a lot too. But yeah, it's kind of a Dave Ramsey approach to business, I guess. Okay, well, I'm gonna pop this up on the screen for anybody who's live streaming, you could see Profit First, uh, transform your business from a cash eating monster to a money making machine. And that's by <laughs> Mike. I, I don't know if I dare try to pronounce this Mikkel Mikalowitz. Um, we'll link to it in the yeah. show notes. So nobody has to guess what wh who or who we're talking about rather. Um, and I appreciate that recommendation. Well, let's jump into this conversation about constructive criticism. And yeah. maybe let's just start with why it even matters to you. Like why does this topic become so important to you, to your life, to your business? So, big answer would be i think it's literally what has helped me grow my business so quickly mm. um you know we talked about it on the last episode but when i picked up a camera just four years ago i didn't know how to like choose a focal point i had no idea about websites or seo or anything um and by seeking constructive criticism and being open to receiving it, I feel like I've just been able to grow leaps and bounds um, and quickly. So going from you know not knowing anything to hitting year four and running a six-figure business and helping other people move past those insecurities around their work um, has just become kind of the center of what's important to me. And realist, I don't know, like my whole background in my 20s was giving and receiving constructive criticism. And so I think mm. it was a really natural thing for me to just apply to business. Mm. Um, but I realized as I got to know more creatives, not everybody has a background like that. There are a lot of people who've never been in management roles or roles where they really had to hear hard things or say hard things. Yeah. And so it just became this niche that I saw and I just mm. really wanted to educate people on so they could grow. Wow. You're, and that's a great point, though. We're not always used to being in that position where we have to take it, number one, but then potentially give it as well and understand what's behind that. And again, I, I think, I mean, this is a much broader conversation, obviously, but I think in some ways our, our society has gotten, in some cases, overly sensitive. And we do have this tendency of kind of projecting our own issues onto other people and then kind of forcing them to take responsibility for that versus owning it for ourselves learning how to set those things aside and be able to take feedback for the sake of growth. And um, so I, I think this conversation is really, really important, especially relevant in our culture right now. So I, I'm glad that we're digging into this. I wanna ask a second question, kind of related, but just very quickly, Devin uh, commented uh, in relation to our conversation about Profit First, the book, Devin said, love Dave Ramsey. And I, the only reason I, I take this break to mention this is one, Devin, thank you for commenting and listening. For those, the rest of you who are live streaming, right now, please don't hesitate to also jump in to comment, to ask questions as we're talking through this topic, a really important one at that. Um, please don't hesitate to join the conversation. We love that. Thanks again, Devin, for, for commenting and joining the conversation. So kind of carrying on though, Anna, from 
why things matter or why this topic matters to you. It may be, I guess, somewhat obvious at this point, but why do you feel it should matter to photographers? Why should photography business owners care that much to pay attention to, to work on accepting constructive criticism? So if you are a photography business owner and you are happy with your income, you are happy with your processes and you don't want to change or grow your business, then right now this isn't really applicable to you. Um, but for anybody who has that knot in their stomach or kind of thinks, man, what if, if you are one of those people, then you need to be seeking constructive criticism to help you jump and figure out what's holding you back. Um, and the best way to do that is through constructive criticism. It's not through crowdsourcing. It's not through just keep on doing what you're doing. It's through seeking and hearing and implementing constructive criticism. So let me ask you about this um, because I'm a little bit uh, weird, maybe. I'm not sure. But I, even if I feel like I'm in a decent place in various areas of my life, I still want to learn more. I think largely because I've learned at heart and, and I guess the hard way in some cases that I'm, I'm kind of naive, like even as well as I may have done in my business or in my personal life or my relationships, I realize I still fall short in a lot of different ways from experience. And so I've kind of taken it on almost like a hobby to continue to try to learn and to improve personal life in my business life. And I have a long ways to go. The, the reason I bring this up though, is because I wonder, or I, I, one of the thoughts that I'm having is I wonder, is it always about whether or not we're happy? Because you said if you're happy with where you're at, then you don't need it. If you aren't, then you need it. Could I push back and say that maybe we all need it regardless? Like there's always opportunity to improve and maybe we should push ourselves like to that next level regardless? Oh yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Cause okay. that's how I am. So like, I'm super happy with where my business is but I'm already committed to a mastermind and I'm already pushing new things for next year. Um, so I guess baby step into constructive criticism. If you don't know that you need it, then that's how you would know. If you ever have that feeling that something's just not quite right or you just can't quite get the hang of something, um, then it would be for you. But yeah, it's always for everybody. <laughs> Fair enough, okay. So then I guess the next natural question or logical question is how should photography business owners go about seeking that constructive criticism? I think you mentioned to me that you've got a couple of ideas of photographers or, or ways that they can go about this process. What are those? So just to rewind a little bit, the very first thing that yeah. I want photographers to understand is what is constructive criticism okay. and what are just opinions. Okay. And so anytime that you go into a group on facebook and you say can i have cc on this set of images and that's all you say and you post your images and you get like 50 different responses none of those are actually constructive criticism those are people that don't know you they don't know your business so they can't give you constructive criticism those are just 50 different opinions that now are noise in your head. Hmm. So and maybe you're going to go here, but I, where I'm, my mind is going is I'm thinking, okay, so if, if somebody shares their thought about something, like I just I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? They share a thought, but they don't have the context of knowing me. 
to use as kind of a baseline for the feedback that they're about to give than its opinion? Is that the difference between opinion and constructive criticism? Yeah, because they don't know what your goals are. They don't know what the rest of your body of work looks like. They're literally just giving you their opinion on that set of images. And so you see people, you know, they'll throw up different edits and people say, oh, that's a good point. Maybe I should try this or, oh, cool, thank you. And I'll try to tweak that. But none of that is really relevant to their particular business. It might be relevant to the person who's giving that opinion. That might be what they would do. But it really has no bearing on what you should be doing. Hmm. Wow. I think we could almost like just package that as an idea today and, and, and almost stop there. Because I think <laughs> to make that distinction for a lot of people, regardless of whether it's on a photography Facebook group or a forum or and something like totally unrelated to the photography industry, I think keeping that principle in mind will create a little bit of clarity, maybe a little bit of relief for some people who have a tendency of like worrying too much about what people think. I think that's a really important distinction to make and I, and I really love that. Okay, so with that context in mind then, how should photographers go about seeking, I guess I should add to the question, the right people to get that constructive criticism from? Yeah, so, you need to find somebody who is invested in your business, who has an actual plan for giving constructive criticism, um, and that can you know, show you that they know how to actually give actionable steps on the whole process. So you know, one thing that we've kind of talked about within this constructive criticism realm is the mentors that are available there's a lot of them. And I would encourage your listeners to not choose mentors based on follower count, um, even how many weddings they shoot, and not necessarily even their style if you're going for a business mentor. Um, you definitely have to choose somebody to seek constructive criticism from who is a master in that field and competent in giving you constructive criticism, not just teaching or telling you what they did. And then how would you differentiate, I know we're kind of getting the weeds a little bit, but I think this is, this is good. How would you differentiate between constructive criticism and as you just said, just teaching you what they did? What's the difference between those two things? So when you're teaching someone, there's a lot of great teachers out there and they can put courses out and say, this is how to shoot on, um, Wait, Anna, hold I on don't a second. Know. Photographers oh, put out courses? Are you kidding me? Do they really? <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? I know. It's a, I know. It's a brand new concept. That you, <laughs> tell me more about it. No, I'm just kidding. Please continue. <laughs> so say somebody puts out a course on using the R6 and they're teaching you the technical things of how to use the R6. That's a course and they're teaching you and that's great. And you can take that information and run with it. Constructive criticism would be you have the R6 and you are trying to figure out how to use it and you have this image and you can show it to them and say, hey, I shot this image on the R6. Can you help me understand X, Y, Z? And then they can objectively look at it and say, from your business, I think you need to take your R6 and lower the aperture a little bit more to get the desired effect. And then you take that specific piece of information that's tailored to your business, implement it, try it for a little while, see if it works. If it does, great, they fixed it. If it doesn't, 
have the ability to go back to that person and say, that didn't work. What other constructive things can you say or pull from you know, the R6 for me that can help? And this is like such a basic example. Um, but they need to be able to apply it to you to give you action steps, not just tell you, here's the R6 and you can change the aperture from you know this to this. Here's the dial to do it. Okay, so I guess in order, I still go back to my original question that if, if a photographer's like, okay, this makes sense. And, and really, I, th I think it's a fascinating conversation personally, and I know it's gonna be helpful to our listeners as well. But how do they go about finding that right person? How do they know that that's the right person? I was making notes, by the way, as you were talking. Um, and these two kind of key characteristics of somebody who we should be looking for, for constructive criticism from, someone who knows and is invested in our business, so they have that context again that we were talking about. And then someone who can give you actionable steps, um, which I think is super important. We, we put a lot of fluff out there in the industry and in, in our so-called content that we're creating. But the question is, how can we actually go and apply it? So that's really important. But how do we find those people more effectively? I like the distinction that you made between, you know, not just finding somebody that's got a big follower and a bunch of courses. How do we know the right person to find them? So part of it is going to be on you to find that person, right? You can't just choose anybody who's doing mentoring. So finding somebody who's the master of the specific thing that you want to learn and then asking them what their process is. And so if they don't mention that they give constructive criticism or feedback, if they're one of the, um, I've heard this term thrown around lately, the, the hey girl, mentors or hey girl you know let me help you with this that is yeah. you really need to avoid that you want to know what's yeah. their process do yeah. they just have conversations is it kind of like a paid friendship um and i know i might get a little bit of a little bit of heat for saying let's that do but it. let's go there <laughs> i mean are you paying someone to tell you that you're doing a great job or do they have yeah. processes in place mm. to review each of your systems that you need help with ask them those questions and you'll kind of know from their answers if that catches them off guard, if they're used to people saying, hey, let's just do it. You know, I would even venture to say you could ask them, do you have any mentorship referrals? Like anybody that you've worked with that I can ask or that you have um, a recommendation from. Yeah. Can I see one of the forms that you, you know, send to people? Do you send action items for them to work on? Mm. It's on you. I mean, it's your money. So you can't be mad at them for taking your money if you're going to give it to them. Yeah. So I really just, I want to encourage people to ask those hard questions and then invest your time wisely. That makes sense. And maybe I would add to that too. And I'm curious what you think about this. Is there a way to, I guess, kindly go about asking them for the results they've gotten? Because I think that's another thing that's happened in our industry is there are plenty of photographers, I think, that are teaching courses or offering consulting one-on-one -on -one mentoring, et cetera, that have legitimately had success for themselves. Um, and, and that's great. But I also am kind of curious how many people are, are offering mentoring or life coaching or business coaching or something comparable without having the most successful business, uh, well, I guess the successful business personally, and then having the resulting experience and ultimately the strategies like you were talking about, the actual strategies that they can communicate. How do you go about asking that hard question? I mean, I don't know that it has to be hard. If you're inquiring with somebody about mentoring, I would expect to see that question because I would want to know that the person I'm mentoring 
wants that from me. I don't want to mentor people who only want to hear, yes, you're doing great, you know, things like that. So I don't think it's a hard question. I think as you're reaching out, mm. hey, do you offer mentoring? What is your process? What kind of feedback and action items do you offer to your mentees? Thank you so much. Sign your name. Like those aren't hard questions. <laughs> and I think, like I you said, people have gotten soft. Are. Yeah. 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 That's that's the like 10 years in the military. It really doesn't <laughs> have to be so complicated. Yeah. Those aren't those aren't hard questions. Fair enough. Fair enough. I love it, Anna. Okay. So then like I taking um, I guess going to the next question that I have here, when they're when these photographers and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, so maybe we're kind of um, re rehashing some of this, but we've we found the person that we feel is going to be a good mentor to us who can give us that legitimate constructive criticism based on their experience and then also having context and investment in our relationship or in our business rather. How then should a photographer go about asking for that constructive criticism from that person who is now their mentor? Uh, because I imagine, I can imagine too, like some of those conversations might start by just them unloading any and everything. And, and maybe the, the conversations kind of get, uh, there's a lack of structure to them. And as a result, maybe not quite as helpful. How do they start that process? Yeah, so I think you need to focus on your top three things that you want actionable items mm. for. Okay. So maybe it's, I don't know, we'll just make up three. Your Instagram strategy, your pricing, and website copy. Okay. So those three things all kind of intermix, right? Mm -hmm. But as you're working with somebody and you tell them this, this, and this, I would expect to see them review your Instagram after asking you, what is your current strategy? What are your goals? What are your pain points? And then reviewing it objectively and pulling out pieces of things that they can improve on to reach those goals. Pulling out things that you see that don't align with where they want to go. And so as the mentor, you are giving them that constructive criticism by saying, hey, this is really beautiful this needs some work and here are the steps that you need to do to improve it fair enough okay what's really struck a chord with me though is it, it, the way that i summed up what you were saying to me i'm taking notes again was know what you want and and have like be ha, go ahead and have established the three biggest pain points in your mind in your experience in your business so that the conversation isn't kind of too wide ranging to the point where it's not I guess, structured enough to be practical. So be very clear about what it is that you're trying to accomplish, more specifically come up with a list of the three biggest pain points in your business, take that to the conversation. And then I guess the, the follow-up question to that, as you're starting to get this constructive criticism from this person, whether it's in a long-term kind of consultant relationship or maybe just an individual conversation at some point, how do you, how do you filter for what is ultimately going to be most helpful or relevant to your business and that which may not be? So I actually have a whole worksheet about this um, okay, cool. where you can take the piece of information that you get and just follow it down like a little like map. Does this matter? Does this not matter? Um, I can send it to you. We can link it to this. Um, and so it's basically a roadmap that you can take any piece of information and run it through the system and figure out is this valuable or not valuable. And so some of the things that you're looking at are, you know, is it some from somebody that is important? Is it 
actually lining up with your goals? Does it have to be done right now? Um, And various other things to kind of pull that all together. But ultimately, once you have those recommendations, the next biggest issue I see is people not giving it time. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice kind of on this part is for the listeners to not have knee-jerk reactions to things. Um, So if you can keep in mind that if you are somebody's boss, you're not telling them every day, like, that was horrible, you're going to be fired, or you need to fix this, this, and this. You would never work for somebody like that because it would be so stressful. And so in that same realm, you are the boss of your business and you're the employee. And so doing daily check-ins and changing things so quickly is not helping anybody. You've got to give things time to work and kind of have scheduled meetings with yourself about it. So that's kind of a whole other um, topic. Like, okay, okay, yeah. But you're the boss and the employee. Normally that feedback cycle, it comes from somebody else, you receive it. But as a solo entrepreneur, we're getting feedback constantly. Um, And so I would just encourage listeners to take that specific guidance from their mentor or whoever they're seeking constructive criticism from, and then give it time to work. Don't change things every time a client doesn't book you. Don't change your price just because a couple people say you're too expensive. Mm. Um, Give it time Mm. and then make educated decisions as you go. Yeah, you have, you have to commit to that process, though, I guess, of applying those principles that you've learned consistently before you make a change or make a move. That's really important and good, good, good uh, advice, certainly for me. A lot of this has been very relevant for me today, honestly, uh, because I, I think I have a tendency in, in some cases of wanting to rush to the next thing. I'm like, oh, this isn't working. Let's go to the next thing. And we do have to be patient, kind of sit with it at times. But I want to jump back to what you said earlier. I know that we're going to link to the, that little worksheet that you talked about. But you mentioned a number of things through which photographers might filter some of that constructive criticism. Can we? Can you at least give them uh, a little bit of a teaser as to that list? Can we rehash some of those points that, that you mentioned yeah. earlier? So basically, it starts off as what kind of constructive criticism is it? Is it a passive constructive criticism? Is it an active one that you were seeking and then received? Is it something that's a pattern? And then from there, you can take it down to well, is this constructive or is this feedback? And going back to that differentiating, um, because I think sometimes even from our mentors, they might make an offhand comment and then we think, oh, well, that's important, but was it? If it wasn't truly constructive, you might not want to waste time on that. So determining what kind of criticism it was, and then if it was actually constructive criticism or just feedback, um, was the source relevant? And then breaking it down a little bit more from there. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I'm, I'm, again, taking notes as quickly as I can. And after you've you've established whether or not that source is relevant, um, can you, again, you don't have to give it all away, but can you give me just a couple of filters through which to to filter that information that you're getting? You're like, okay, I I know I'm getting it from the right place here. This is actually constructive criticism. How are they beginning to determine whether or not it's relevant to their business? I know that they've already established the, the, the pain point, so they know what it is that they're trying to address. Um, but some advice may be relevant to that. Others may not be a couple of just quick filters through which to run that. So my favorite one is really the, if it's coming from a trusted mentor, 
and it was an active form of constructive criticism that you actually asked for, not their opinion on something else that you feel comfortable with right then. So it has to be something that you want to have work on mm -hmm. coming from a trusted source. Um, and then if it doesn't meet all of those qualifiers, then you can just put it to the side and go about your day. It just doesn't, it's not relevant at that point. Sure. Okay. And then as far as that actual advice itself, as they're giving it to you, I mean, obviously we talked about taking time to apply it and see if it actually works, but at the outset, making the decision as to whether or not to even apply it. They may give you a list of three or four different things to do, but maybe only two are relevant. The other two can be left alone. How do you make that distinction? So I would recommend only implementing the things that you asked for advice on initially. Um, when I get constructive criticism back, I always like to knock out quick wins first. And okay. so things that are low risk, um, you know, maybe higher reward, right? So if I get constructive criticism on my pricing, that is a big deal, right? Like changing your whole pricing structure, even making price jumps, that has major impacts on your business. It really determines, do you believe in that price increase? Are you ready to wait it out um, if you don't book right away? But feedback like, changing this text here or nixing those items. I always encourage people to start with those quick wins, knock them out, um, and then kind of get into the heavier stuff. Okay, fair enough. Well, um, we're gonna link everyone to that worksheet. Is it on your site? Can we take them to the site or is it something it's that we can not, separately? Okay. Yeah, it's not on the site right now because we're actually starting to build a whole course around this. Okay. Um, so it'll be part of that, but I will send it to you so that your listeners can have it. Perfect. So for those of you watching live right now, give us just a little bit of time. We'll put that in the show notes here very soon. And for those of you that are listening to the audio version, by the time the audio version comes out in the next week and a half to two weeks, it should definitely be in the show notes at that point. So you can just go to bocapodcast.com and download uh, that worksheet. And Anna, I really appreciate you coming back on the show to kind of share with us one more time remind our listeners where they can not just find you. We mentioned um, your website, mention your Instagram as well. And then if they want to kind of follow up and maybe be able to, to consult with you individually, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Anna K dot photography. Um, and if you're curious about the constructive criticism and want to dive into it deeper with me, we are going to be doing quarterly zoom calls with 10 attendees. So the next one is actually on January 9th. Um, and we're just going to dive into this even more using lots of examples and real world kind of problems people have had and how we can hash those out. Um, so I'd love to see your listeners there, but yeah, they're always welcome to send me a DM and Thanks for having me again, Nathan. Oh, I'm glad to. And, and how can they find out where to sign up for that, that Zoom meeting or that Zoom course? So that is linked on my Instagram. Okay, cool. So yeah. for those of you listening in or watching, if you go to, and I'm going to pull this up on the screen here, but AnnaK.Photography on Instagram. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes. And um, you can see the link there in her profile to that, uh, that little meeting coming up. So we'll make sure to link to that as well. Thank you very much, Anna, for, again, making time to come back. Second time, share with us. Really important conversation. And thank you for everybody that has joined us today, commented as well. Really appreciate it. You all have a wonderful day. Bye.